everyone. Welcome to a live edition of Way In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin, and also joined today with special co-host, Cuervo. So welcome, everyone. Hope you're all having a great week so far. We have a lot to discuss. We'll wait on Cuervo to get here, get settled in, and just talk about everything that's going on in sports. Monday Night Football last night, we will discuss that. We will preview the upcoming NFL and college football week. And also the NBA starts tonight. And then game six, going back to Boston. The Boston Red Sox take a 3-2 lead in St. Louis, and now they have to come back for two games and only win one to be World Series champions. My initial prediction was Boston in six. So I don't think they'll have much trouble finishing St. Louis off in Boston and winning the World Series. But St. Louis, they had a good season, but just not good enough to beat Boston. Boston has the hitters, and their pitching's a lot better now. So I don't know if anybody out there is better than Boston. If anybody could beat them, St. Louis could, but it doesn't look like it. But that's why they play the game, and that's why we watch it, to see some upsets happening. And the NBA season tonight, hopefully Big Dog will be with us to talk about two huge matchups in the NBA, the Clippers and the Lakers tonight. How will the Lakers do without Kobe? That's the question. Can they beat the Clippers? And also Miami plays Chicago. And a lot of people think Chicago is going to actually win the East this year. So how will Chicago look compared to last season when they fell to Miami? So that's a big question. And the BCS rankings are out. They came out Sunday night. And I was surprised, honestly, at some of the the teams that didn't fall. For instance, and we'll talk about Auburn a little bit. Auburn was number 17 in the coaches poll the week prior and number 11 in the BCS. Well, during the week, after their win, they jumped up to 8 in the coaches and 11 in the – or 8 in the AP and 11 in the coaches, which means they should jump up. Missouri lost at home, and – I don't know who else lost, really. Uh, Texas Tech lost. And all of a sudden, Auburn stays the same, and they get jumped by Oklahoma. And that just didn't make sense to me, really, right now, how Oklahoma, with one loss, and it was a bad loss to an unranked Texas team, is still sitting up there in the top ten. That makes me scratch my head. This team is not very good on offense. They're not physical, and they're not going to be in the top ten when the season's over. Which brings me to my point, looking at the pretenders right now, and I'm going to look in the top top ten in the BCS right now and tell you the teams that will not be here by the end of the season. And one of those teams, the main team, is Miami. They're sitting at seven in the BCS right now with an upcoming trip to Florida State. Um, looking at the Florida State Seminoles, they look unbeatable right now, and they are that one team, guys, out there that can beat Alabama. That's the team Alabama right now is hoping they do not have to play. Florida State has SEC talent. They have the best quarterback in the country, and their defense is much improved. So I look for Florida State to be hanging around the top three for the entire year. Ohio State will be at number four. And looking at their schedule, honestly, it's so weak. I don't see them moving up unless a disaster happens with the top three teams. And I don't see them moving down too much either. I mean, they're going to keep winning, and they are Ohio State. As long as the human polls have them in their top five, they're going to stay there. And Clemson. Clemson's a decent team. Are they the number eight team in the country, losing by 50 at home to Florida State? No. I mean, they're they're up there right now, and they shouldn't be. 
I think they're about a 15 team in the country. Missouri, how in the world did they stay in the top 10, blowing a 17 point lead at home to the 23rd ranked South Carolina Gamecocks? I believe it was 23 or 21. I just will never understand that. And looking at it, I think we have Roger on the line. Roger, is that you? Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's gentleman. I'm by myself. Well, then I'm doing well, Brian. Oh, good. Well, I tried to take a trip with my dog, man. It didn't work out. What happened? Yeah, I ran out of peanut butter. <laughs> okay, now remember, I wasn't the one that brought that up, but okay. <laughs> uh, you went. That's right. You went this uh, this weekend to the beach. It didn't work out, pal. It didn't work out. For some reason, we gave our dog every drug the vet could think of, and it still didn't phase him. So I don't know. Maybe I need to. Uh, what do they give the biggest animals to make them fall asleep? Maybe I need to. I don't know anesthesia or something. But this dog will not travel. And uh, hopefully I can go tomorrow and, and get two or three days at the beach before it's too late. But it is what it is. And I'm back home ready to do a radio show today. So game, what was it, game five last night in St. Louis. Are you surprised that Boston came out of St. Louis with a 3-2 to two lead heading back home to Boston? Not at all. Uh, I really figured that this was going to be a, a, a heavyweight fight between these two teams. The Cardinals are experienced uh, the only one that has experience from Boston is, of course, Big Poppy. And uh, let me tell you, he's risen to the occasion. Uh, this has been a battle, Brian. It could have been the other way around. Uh, St. Louis could have actually have ended the series had they gotten a call going their way. But um, I'm not surprised. I'm enjoying this series. This is good. There have not been any blowouts in this uh, series. I like it, dude. This is good baseball. Well, tell us about the obstruction call. I'm, I'm under the impression, just looking at it, it was a, it was the right call in a way, but do you think it was the right call for the time of the game, Roger? I know the umpires have blown a lot of calls lately. Tell us about the obstruction. Thank you, Brian. And as of course, we need to put it that Jim Joyce is the very same man that called the obstruction charge that also called the runner safe in the Galarraga Perfect Game. Recall that? <laughs> oh. I recall that. Yes, sir. Yeah, Jim Joyce, he's the same guy. But anyway, uh, Brian, my my wife did not give me any that night because uh, she was very unhappy in my interpretation of the rule. And I said, that's the glory of baseball, sweetheart. There is no interpretation of the rules. It's black and white. <laughs> the rule is very, very clear. There is no interpretation, whether it was intent or not. So, uh, and I appreciate the two-part question, Brian. I'm getting to it. As far as the rule, it was interpreted correctly, 100%. And oh, I'm sorry, it was ruled on correctly. But you in, you put in an interesting caveat right there about should it have been called in that moment. That's interesting. Uh, I, I I believe I understand what you're trying to ask by that, and that would lead me to question. But there is no doubt that when the runner tried to get going, he did step on or try to step over and fall on the third baseman, who, in my opinion, didn't even try to get up. So I, I would believe it was the correct call. Uh, I go by it. I say it was obstruction. Uh, that, that's why I'm about whenever there are catchers blocking home plate because you cannot obstruct and 
I mean, knowing the way baseball it follows through on its own rules from time to time, I I, I don't know, Brian. That's that's an interesting question. I believe the call was made correctly. Had I been there, I I was yeah. That's the rule. And that's the way it is. You cannot obstruct the runner. If you even touch him without the ball and he is impeded, it is obstruction. So Yeah, but he does have to go to the next base to get it. You know, and that's, people don't don't realize, Roger, that it doesn't matter if you meant to or not. Obstruction is like you said, obstruction is obstruction, whether he, he didn't mean to get in his way or not, that doesn't matter. I mean, I think it was called correctly on the field. I know a lot of Boston fans would disagree with you. They're not happy, but hey, they're they're up three to two, and I believe Cuervo's with us. What's up, Cuervo? What's going on, guys? Good afternoon. Good, Good afternoon, afternoon, Cuervo. What's up? No work today? Oh no, I'm working. I'm just taking a uh, taking a my own special uh, personal break. Oh, I feel special now, guys. You both joined me here uh, on a Tuesday afternoon. Cuervo, what would you think about the uh, Boston up 3-2 to two and about the obstruction? Uh, well, I'm still trying to really fully understand what the definition of that call is. Uh, I, I, talked, I talked with Sonny about it last night, and, um, I mean, I don't know, it's it's, it's like it's like Paul said, you know. It's, call, it's like calling a holding uh, in the NFL. You can call it every every game. However, does it really happen? No. So I mean, do I have a problem with it? No. It's just man, you know. The the reason we're talking about it is because it was it was game four of the World Series. It wasn't regular season game number forty seven, and and that's why it's such a big deal. I mean, if, if it would have been called in regular season game number 47, nobody would be talking about it. It's just the timing of it is is, is what, pro- what people have the biggest problem with. And the uh, umpire that, that called it. Remember, Joyce is the one that blew the perfect game for Galarraga in Detroit and you know, bought him a new car to say he's sorry. But still, this guy seems like he's always in the middle of controversy. And um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he didn't want Boston to win. Maybe he placed a bet on St. Louis, Roger. I don't know. But either way, <laughs> I think he got the call right. And, and I, I know it sucks. It's like the infield fly rule with the Braves last year. I mean, it was the rule was it was correct. And the umpire doesn't have to immediately yell infield fly rule. But they got the call correct. The problem is, it was in a in a wild card game that that it really affected the Braves, and it went against them. And, but at the end of the day, I think these umpires do a pretty good job. But, Roger, looking at the game one, I don't know if you remember the forced play at second base. They were Some Cardinals were turning two on Ortiz, and the guy at second base in their shortstop never caught the ball, and the umpire was emphatic that he was out. And luckily, I've never seen it happen. They changed the call. They got together. But how far are we away from actually seeing replay come into these games? Because that could have been a blown call, and you never know. That changed the momentum in the game, and Boston won. What if St. Louis would have won that game, and maybe the series would be over right now? So when are we going to get into replay? Unfortunately, as you know, we already have it now, and it's going to progress. See, here's the beauty of it now. The fans are involved. It is a huge conversation, and everyone wants to know what is going to go on. So this is going to stretch out for a while. Are we going to get instant replay? Yes. To what level? I don't know. 
Um, look, if you really want to take out the umpires, uh, it, it's only a matter of time. But baseball is such a unique way that it is played. You really can't do do-overs. So it doesn't l- work like in the NFL. Could you do do-overs? Yeah, but then it changes the game irrevocably. The reason why you have human beings out there is because it is, as they call it, a bang-bang play, and it has to be ruled on immediately. And decisions are made immediately, you know, whether there's a runner safe or out. And that's what is unique from hockey, basketball, and even football. Football is one continuous play, but if there's a penalty... You know, you just do the whole play over in baseball. If there's a ruling, there's one out at second, the other runners are still live and other decisions can be made. And that's why it's going to be a while before you actually replace the umpires out in the field. But as far as home plate, I believe the home plate umpire is the first one to go. Sorry, Brian. I'll tell you why. You put, you put little electrodes on home plate, little reflectors, little light thingies. You put them on the uniform. You know what the, the strike zone is. And uh, the strike zone will already be called. It could be done today, right now. That could be done right yeah, now. Yeah, but you can't do that, Roger. You can't take umpires out of the game, but you can't help no. them. No! Think, think about it. It's a 13 to nothing game, and the home plate umpire is back there, and the ball's an inch off the corner. He's going to call a strike where a computer wouldn't do that. You have to have human involvement in that. that that's the purpose of the game, really, to me, as an umpire. I mean, there's no computer that can call it as good as I can. It's like the polls. You, you look at the computer polls. That they have Furman or somebody number one, and they suck or something. It's computers looking at it. You need the human eye in there to be able to to get the game right. I think. I think that would be a travesty if they if they put computers back there to call balls and strikes. Brian. I 100% agree with you, and I actually get into fights with the significant, well, with Mrs. Scorekeeper about that, (laughs) and I will actually anger other people because I believe the human element is what makes sports unique, and that's just the way it is. It is human beings that play this game, not machines. I believe that they should assist us, but it's still the human element. Brian, I've been on both sides of the game of where I get a call go my way and I get a call go against me. And I'm the first one that tells you, if you lose a game one to nothing on one call, dude, that's your fault. Why the hell were you in that situation? You go out and win that game. And if you're going to lose the game on one call, which call is it? When you were called out in the second inning or you were called out in the eighth inning? I mean, which one? It's always going to happen. You go out and win the game. You don't put yourself in a situation to let the umpire make that call. And How are you going to call I, a computer a cocksucker, you know, and get ejected? If you take them out, then who are you going to blame? That's right, Brian. It loses its its appeal. The the you know the IBM is no longer a cocksucker. It's just a digital cocksucker. It's just it doesn't lose. Yeah, it loses it. So, you so know, Clairvo, well, well, can, can a computer throw someone out of the game? What if the coach comes up and starts arguing with the computer and he tells him he's gone? How's that going to work? Oh, it, it'll work. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's a good question, though. Yeah, like I can see a little robot back there doing the striking someone out or something. That would be that would be cute. But guys, did y'all see the the pitiful excuse of a Monday night football game last night? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> what happened? No, I mean, it was just the last couple of weeks. And, and here's the deal. I hate the way Monday Night Football, Quivo, is, is set in stone, really, from the beginning of the year. I think if you suck and there's bad matchups, they ought to redo them and put you, like, like say, St. Louis and Seattle was scheduled to play Monday. Just say both teams are terrible. Why even put them on Monday night? Put them at Sunday at noon or something and change it. The last few Monday night matchups have been terrible. I mean, Monday night football has lost a lot. I think Sunday night football has the best games. What about you, Cuervo? Yeah, Sunday night Sunday night is, is probably the best out of the non-afternoon games. You know, Thursday night's been just as bad, though, guys. I mean, no offense, Brian, yeah. but that Carolina-Tampa Bay game was, was not exactly uh, one for the ages. Yeah, it was lopsided, and Carolina dominated from start to finish. But who did we have the week before? We had the Giants and, and who? Who played the Giants without a win all Oh, real season. funny. Real funny. Oh, was that the Bears? No, that was that was on a Thursday night before. Last Monday night, the Giants played on Monday Night Football against the Redskins, I believe, or somebody like oh, that. Minnesota. Or Minnesota. I mean, my God, what a game. I mean, you want to wait. And that's what I tell you guys. Tell me if I'm wrong. Monday Night Football is made for the suckers. Okay, good. Made for the (laughs) suckers that have lost lost money all week up to this point. Last night's game is a perfect example. Everyone thought that Seattle would kill the Rams. They had their quarterback out. Seattle's just one of the best teams in football, guys, and, and Vegas suckered them in and got them. And then the second half, Seattle was only a six-point favorite. And granted, they were only up four. And people thought, well, I'll just take Seattle and a touchdown in this half and win. Well, guess what? They lost both of them. And a lot of people lost a lot of money last night, Cuervo, on Monday Night Football. And my theory is going good in the last few years. It's Mafia Night Football, not Monday Night Football. Ooh. Yeah, and Vegas is loving it, Brian. The fact that a lot of people took Seattle with the over. So, <laughs> oh boy, I tell you, Monday nights that could be the best or the worst. Well, eighty-five percent of the bets out there this last night, eighty-five percent was bet on Seattle, and that line went from six up to fourteen. Do you know how much wow. it takes to move a line eight points? It takes a lot of money to move a line eight points. Well, it did it. And so I got in on the high end, thank God. But a lot of people lost a lot of money last night, guys. Do you think professional football has some point shaving in it, Cuervo? Um, I mean, you can't rule it out. I mean, we, we've seen more bizarre things in sports. I mean, we, hell, we've seen NBA referees, you know, shave points and, and determine the way <laughs> playoff games go. So, I mean... To to rule to rule that out, I mean, you, you can't. Anything's a possibility nowadays. Well, Roger, I saw it last night where where every time the Rams were in trouble, say it was third and eight, and they threw an incompletion, uh, 15-yard flag for a personal foul or a holding in the secondary. I mean, tell me, I mean, how big are, are officials in these point-shaving scandals? I mean, if, a, if, a, if I'm an official and you tell me that, Seattle can't win by more than 14. I mean, it's almost a guarantee I can make it not happen. Well, you know, Brian, um, 
it's funny you would say pass interference or personal foul. Those are always going to be questionable calls. I haven't been I – look, I watch football every Sunday. I try to catch the Sunday night game, and I try to catch Monday night. But I don't watch it enough to acknowledge whether there is point shaving or not. Is there a possibility? Yeah. But, you know, guys, I come from the naive school of, no, I don't believe it until there's genuine proof. And I, I, I'm not an expert enough to, to even know whether it's happening or not. I will be paying attention, guys, but can you guys give me any, any conspiracy yeah. games where you think it might have happened? I mean, are you pointing Col- to the Monday night Colts game? Colts and Chargers. Colts and Chargers. Monday night a couple weeks ago, we talked about it on your show. That that yes, line was Brian, good. you and I got that one right, Brian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how in the world are the Chargers favored over the Colts? And you've seen the Colts this year beat Denver, Seattle, San Francisco, and then they go lay an egg on Monday night. The night they were underdogs, Cuervo, um, by a couple of points at San Diego. The whole game looked fishy, and there's several games I could go back on, especially in my life, and, and look back on. There's some something strange going on there. And it might, it might not be point-shaving, guys. This could be the actual players involved, I think, that – they just know they're going to lose that night for some reason. I just think there's more to this than people think. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, think about this one too, guys. I mean, what was the big story a couple of weeks ago? We were talking about Denver being a 28-point favorite against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they kept the game close. I mean, hell, it was a 2 <laughs> game for halftime. I mean, there should be no reason why – Jacksonville should even remotely be close to the Denver Broncos' level of, of football. I mean, the Broncos should have won that game by six touchdowns. Why did they only win by two touchdowns? We'll never know. But, um, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, different things you guys can point at. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, well, okay, Cuervo, be careful about the you guys stuff, okay? <laughs> I'm not I'm not willing to go out because, first of all, guys, I don't gamble. I don't know anything about gambling. I, I, I don't. I am against Pete Rose uh, being reinstated because he gambled on the game. Gambling brings too much dirty money into the sport. Am I naive? No. The, the, the Central American <laughs> soccer team got nailed for point shaving. Unbelievable. The the players took bids. I mean, this is like the, the Black Sox scandal of 1919. This is huge. And some of those players are now suspended for life. This is this is a big deal that's going on in the soccer world, in, in the world uh, of soccer. I just said it twice. But, but he, bet so, against, he, bet, he bet on his team. He didn't bet against them. Um, that Well, again, that we know of. That's what was said. And he never answered it, and we never saw the proof. We do yeah. know that he did bet on that team. And either way, Brian, uh, he bet on his game. Uh, I mean, wow. Wow. You know, you're not supposed to bet. Team. Mm-hmm. He, had, yeah. he had faith in his team, and he loved cold, hard cash. But it was illegal back then to bet on your team, and he did, whether he bet on his team or not. You know, Brian, okay, this is great for the guy that disobeys orders and ends up saving his unit, okay? That's different. We're talking about a manager that disobeyed orders, you know. I mean, come on. Come on, buddy. You you, you can't compare the two. 
<laughs> well, no, I don't want to you going. Oh, yeah, <laughs> apparently a lot of people like to do that recently, or as of late. Well, guys, I don't know if you know about it, but tonight starts the NBA season, and, and Cuervo's Chicago Bulls are up against the Miami Heat. And I just want to know, and I haven't followed NBA much, but is Rose going to play tonight? Is, or is he still stuck in his thumb sitting out, Cuervo? Muscle memory. Yeah, he's questionable, guys, because oh my god, oh, not god. There yet. So, yeah, he's questionable, guys. Cuervo, don't. Are you serious? Really? Still? <laughs> no, but, oh, but I bet okay. you think gullible's in the dictionary too, don't you, scorekeeper? Yes, sir. You suckered me on that one, you brat. <laughs> so, so, so he is playing, right? <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's definitely playing, guys. He'll be there. I don't know. I, I can see him changing his mind in warm-ups, just saying he can't dunk right now. He just can't get into the chump. But they're on the road yeah, I, against the Miami Heat, the defending champions. And my question to Cuervo, can the Bulls start the season 1-0 and tonight? No, it's probable. He's supposed to play. Can they go on the road and beat the defending champions? They've done it before. They've beat them, they've beat them in their own house two years in a row. So why not start off with three? Exactly. But how how big is Rose going to be in this lineup? How's it going to affect? Do you think the team will be better with him, even though it's his first game back, or do you think they're still mad? But last year he he uh, he can be asked out and didn't play when his team needed no, him the most. Brian, I mean, of course they forgive me. He's the best player, so I mean they have no choice but to forgive the guy. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, no, nobody's nobody's bitter over it anymore. If you're if you're a player. Nobody's bitter over it anymore. Um, I mean, as far as the difference that he makes, I mean, again, he's the best player on the team. He's the point guard, um, you know, one of the best in the NBA. So uh, it doesn't have to revolve around certain guys like Carlos Boozer or Lou Aldang anymore who, um, you know, just can't – they don't have the, the ability to carry – the team like like Rose can so it just it just creates more opportunities for everybody with Rose being back in the lineup now and um, you know with with having guys like Taj Gibson on the bench I mean it's just you know it's it's uh the you know the Bulls are going to look a lot two years ago you know right before Rose was injured so but it'll be interesting to see I mean Miami's added some pieces as well so we'll see what happens it's going to be a good first game. Well, they are a five-point underdog, Roger. Who do you like in this game? First game of the year. Wait a minute. Who's the five-point underdog? Chicago. Well, uh, I haven't done much on what Miami has picked up, but honestly, I would say that Chicago, you know, this happens a lot. The home team doesn't always win in the first week. I, I would – I'll, I'll – uh, why? Why'd you ask that? Um, all right, what the hell? I'll go with Chicago. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to put Cuervo on the spot. I'll go with Chicago. Well, I'm going to put him on the spot, and I'm going to pick Miami until Rose shows me what he has, Cuervo. I'm pulling for Chicago. I won't be a Chicago fan tonight, but it's hard to pick him until I see Rose go out there and see how he looks. So, that's going to be a good game tonight. And the blowout game of the night, I think we'll all agree on this. The Clippers uh, travel. I mean, they're not really on the road. They're at home playing against the Lakers. Only favored nine points, Cuervo. 
This line looks low. I think the Clippers will beat them by 20. Uh, yeah, easily. I mean, especially with, uh, you know, Kobe not being Ooh, back yet. big dog, they're talking crap. <laughs> That's all right. Let's bring him on. We need to bring him on. So I, I'm i sending yeah. him a message right now. <laughs> like, Ooh, big dog, they're talking crap. <laughs> if, hey, scorekeeper, if that's going to get him on the program, then let's let's get it done. The Lakers may not win a game this year, scorekeeper. They may go over. The first team yeah. ever in NBA history to not win a game. Talking crap against the best guy. Okay, I'm going to see if I can get a hold of him right now, guys. Uh, I'll be back in a few <laughs> minutes. I will. All right. <laughs> well, Cuervo, when I look at the game, you know, the, the Lakers, how are they going to defend the Clippers? I mean, they have a lot of different options outside, down low, and we know without Kobe Bryant, this Lakers team couldn't play defense before him. Now what are they going to do or with him? How are they going to play without him? Who's going to, who's going to step up and play defense? Gasol? Nash? I mean, these are guys that are very soft individuals. Yeah, and, and, and on top of that, I mean, as much of a crybaby as he was, no more Dwight Howard in the middle either. So the Lakers are in a lot of trouble, Brian. I mean, Honestly, I'd be surprised if the Lakers finished 500 this year. And this is not a shot at, at the big dog. This is just me telling you what I think about the Lakers this year. And I'm telling you, I, I would be surprised if they win 41 games this year. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, I'd be surprised if they won that many. I mean, I, I really think that this team, if you can't defend out west, this is not the. This is not the division to go out there and, and think you're going to be able to run and not play defense because some of these teams, OKC, uh, Memphis is even better. I mean, how are you going to defeat teams like this? Sure, you make and sneak into the playoffs. That's not saying a lot with eight teams available. But with Kobe Bryant on the bench, just just say, for instance, Kobe was playing the night, Cuervo, what would the Lakers' shots be? They still have nothing down low, in my opinion, to be able to, to stop teams and play defense. Kobe's all they have, and he's on the bench. But if Kobe was playing tonight, would they have a shot to beat the Clippers? I still think the answer would be no. The reason I say that is because, you know, the Lakers, well, compared to the Clippers, I mean, hell, they would they would need the Clippers to play in wheelchairs, all right? That, I mean, the, the Lakers are an old team. They're an old team, and they they don't have the, the youth the athleticism to stay with the Clippers. I mean, you're talking about Chris Paul. You're talking about Blake Griffin. The uh, I think they still have Jordan, don't they? Uh, I forgot his first name now. But, I mean, this is an athletic team, and, and they're fast and they're young. And I mean, good luck. <laughs> That's all I have to say is good luck Chris, trying to Chris stop Paul. Because... Yeah, Chris Paul is going to be hard to stop. I mean, who's going to stop him? Well, it ain't going to be Steve Nash maybe 10 years ago, but not not today. You know, you know, Steve Nash always reminded me of that, that kid, the Bad News Bears, the shortstop. That's who he looks like with that long hair. Um, you know who I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> oh, I, I can't remember names, though. But, I, I mean, I saw that movie a long time ago. But I, I think <laughs> I know what you're, who you're referring to. <laughs> Well, I need Big Dog to get on the horn. And the next game out there, the Pacers are at home, favored 12 over the Magic. I mean, that seems like easy money to me, taking the Pacers. Yeah, but, I mean, 
again, I mean, like you said, it's the first game of the season, so it's just like in the NFL. I mean, heck, you know, we we saw you know we saw some weird upsets and some weird games happen. I mean, you never know. Orlando might might wind up beating Indiana tonight. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but um, we've seen we've seen stranger things happen in the beginning of uh, you know seasons. Well, Cuervo, is the is the NFL trade deadline today? It is, and uh, very, very quiet. It, it, there was noise for a little while, but then it died. Well, what about, I mean, if you're the Atlanta Falcons right now, and you're going nowhere, your season's over, Julio's out, don't you trade Tony Gonzalez away to, Do it. Tender to, give, to give him a shot? Come on, man. Yep. Trade Tony I, away. I, I, I know, I know, Brian, and that's why I, I said it in in the group chat. I said he, he's going to go to Kansas City. We still have what an hour and a half, I think, or, or half an hour, something like that, before the deadline officially ends. And as as happens every single year, no matter what the sport is, we always hear something minutes before the deadline ends that you know something big happens. And um, I mean, there, there's still time, so you never know. I mean, but I think if you're Atlanta, yes. You know, I'm not saying Tony Gonzalez is miserable in Atlanta, but put him out of his misery and send him to a contender. Send him to a team that has a shot of winning so that way this guy can go out with the best chance of being a winner. And right now, I mean, Kansas City, they're 8-0, and then, I mean, that's not a guarantee that they're going to win the Super Bowl However, again, you're sending him. You're, you're saying go, he's going from a team that's two and five to eight and zero. Oh. If I'm Tony Gonzalez, I mean, screw all that loyalty crap. I'm trying to get me a Super Bowl ring before I retire. Yeah, I think this is his last shot. And how, how much would he help that team? How much would he help Kansas City going out there and giving Alex Smith just another target? I mean, he's he's Mr. Dependable Clutch. He plays every game. I think that would make Kansas City a lot better. And I think Atlanta could get, you know, I don't know, maybe some late draft picks for Tony Gonzalez. They're not going to get a first rounder or anything. But, hey, a sixth or seventh rounder next year or something, uh, put him out of his misery. I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, yeah, you could probably, you could probably if you're Atlanta, you might be able to squeeze out maybe a fifth round pick for Tony. I mean, because he's still a good tight end. He's still one of the best in the business. It's just, um, is well, is Atlanta willing to make that move? And I mean, you know, the, the answer still remains to be seen. Well, Cuervo, I'm going over to the NFL real quick in some games, and you know, we talk about point spreads that make you slap your head a little bit. The Philadelphia Eagles this Sunday are on the road at Oakland, favored three points in this game. Philadelphia has looked terrible the last few games. They can't score. They can't defend anybody. Oakland just destroyed Pittsburgh uh, Sunday. So how in the world is Philadelphia favored over Oakland in Oakland? Shaved. They're shaved. Thank you. No, I don't know why. Bet, I don't know. <laughs> bet, the, bet the house on Philly in this game. I can, you can bet your bottom dollar that Philadelphia will beat Oakland this game and they will cover. Another sucker pick out there. Tell me how the Redskins are a pick with San Diego right now. Good question. Um, I have no idea. 
I mean, maybe because Kirk Cousins is playing now. I have no idea. I mean, we don't know what, <laughs> we don't know what's going on with RG three, but maybe they like Cousins more than they like RG three. And Cuervo, the Patriots at home now, at home, afternoon game, favor only six and a half over Pittsburgh. It's kind of one of those that makes you scratch your head. And the Colts opened up as a one-point underdog against Houston this weekend. Wow. So you have things that make you scratch your head a little bit and wonder, what happened? Did Houston reinvent the wheel or something in their bye week? Are they good? Again, did the Colts decide not to play football anymore? There's some games this weekend that that kind of make you scratch your head. This is a time of year that football games get very hard to predict. Um, Carolina seven and a half over Atlanta. I think that'll be a blowout. I think Cam Newton will destroy Atlanta. He's had good success against them. But Kansas City Cuervo's only favored three over Buffalo. That's a close game. It is. And, and the game must be in Buffalo if it's that close of a spread. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, I mean, and they're probably thinking, well, Kansas City really hasn't proven themselves on the road yet. Most, uh, You know, a lot of their good wins and stuff like that is at home. I mean, they beat they beat Houston at home. They beat uh, they beat Dallas at home. They beat who else? I know they've they've, they've had a couple other nice wins against uh, you know teams that they played at home. You know, good teams. So that's probably I think it has that has something to do with it. Um, you know, but I mean, you got to think about this too, Tarvin. I mean, it's it's Tuesday, so these these. These uh these numbers are going to change. I mean, Indianapolis could go from being a one point dog to being a you know four and a half point favorite by Friday. I mean, you just never know. So well, I mean, they are it, favorite it's too too early in the week. Indianapolis, Indianapolis just moved a two and a half point favorite. So Clara, somebody's listening to us somewhere, right? Exactly. The Bears <laughs> are. Uh, Bears are a ten and a half point dog on the road at Green Bay Monday Night Football. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I I, I get that one. I mean, no Jake Cutler. I mean that he he gives them by far the best chance. And Josh McCown. I mean, the last time the last time Josh McCown played in Green Bay, oh boy, it was ugly. So I mean, I can I can see I can see why the Bears are such a heavy underdog. But I mean, hell, I mean. The Bears could go in there and, and only lose by seven, and I'd be cool with that. Well, I have your lock of the week for you. Seattle's at home, favored 16.5 over Tampa Bay. Uh, get get 46.5 for all I care. It's a lock. It's a cover. Seattle takes care of business. And, and let's move on to college real quick, Cuervo. The BCS standings came out Sunday night, and I don't know if you got a chance to – analyze the poll to look at it. But what are your thoughts on your initial or the second BCS poll that came out? Well, I, I mean, people can't make up their mind who's better, Florida State or Oregon. I mean, they keep flip-flopping back and forth. I guarantee you next week, depending on how Florida State looks against Miami, they may they might jump back up to number two. And, I mean, Oregon, I, don't, I can't remember. Who does Oregon play this weekend? Um uh, I, I think they're think off they this play. week getting ready. They're off this week uh, getting ready for their Thursday night game against Stanford. Oh, wow, that's going to be a good one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like 
these these polls can't make up their mind who they like more between Florida State and Oregon. And to me, I mean, yeah, I mean, I like Winston and things like that. And but I think it's a no brainer. Oregon is is the second best team in the country. Some might even argue the best team in the country. And uh, I I don't even, I wouldn't say it's by a landslide, but um, I've been, you know if you were to put Oregon and Florida State in a neutral field. I, I would actually put my money on the Ducks. Well, let's say it this way. Let me ask you this question to you this way. Which team matches up better with a chance to beat Alabama on the neutral side? I, I would still have to say Oregon just because of the, the, the offense uh, that they run. It's, you know, they, they have the, the most offensive firepower and they give themselves the best chance to put points on the Alabama defense. So I would still go with Oregon. I'd go with Florida State. And and the reason I would go with Florida State is because they're a passing team more. I mean, Oregon's a scheme team. They like trickery and they're undersized. Well, Florida State has that SEC talent they've been recruiting for years, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Florida State has some five-star athletes all over the place. I just think Florida State, and I looked at something that Florida State would be a four-point underdog to Alabama, where Oregon would be a seven-point underdog to Alabama. doesn't know what that means. I mean, you can't really put a lot of weight on that right now because it could change. But I think the the nation wants to see Oregon-Alabama to see Alabama against that offense. But I think the best matchup in a national championship game, if it was to happen, would be Alabama-Florida State. But how about Baylor, though? What if Baylor comes in there and, and, and makes their presence known? They haven't played anybody, but they've been blowing people out. I, I just think Alabama's vulnerable this year, Trevor. I just don't think they're as dominant as people are, are letting on. No, I mean, they're, I mean they, they do have some flaws. I mean, every, every team does, even Alabama. Um, especially with with the injury to Sunseri, I mean that, that that safety position just got a little bit weaker. So that, I mean, if if you're gonna beat Alabama, without a doubt, you you, you hit it right on the head. You gotta you gotta go deep and you gotta take shots. But you, know, you try to play conservative, you're you're playing right into Alabama's hands. And that's what they want you to do. They want you to be conservative, and they want you to. Um, you know, not take chances because all they're going to do is just attack you, and they're going to they're going to put you in a corner. So I think, in order to beat this team, you really have to take chances, and um, you know, and that's by throwing the deep ball. So, um, I mean, I still say Oregon is the better matchup, though, just because, like you said, I mean the unexpected, and, you know, I don't think that's something Alabama's used to seeing. So I think that that would probably throw that defense off a little bit more than your traditional offense like Florida State runs. Well, I look at Oregon, and what they've done over the past five years has been amazing. I think their resume is better. You know, for I know it's this year, and people are only supposed to look at this year, but you know as well as I do, when you're looking at Oregon, you look at their BCS games they've made. They made the championship game and lost by field goal in 2010. I think Oregon has the better resume on paper and look at what they've done. Florida State's like a flash in the pan, really. This is, I mean, how good are they? Clemson, I'm not real sold on them, but they did beat them bad on the road. I'll give them that. But has Florida State been tested, really? I mean, Pittsburgh on the road, is that really what you're going to hang your hat on? 
I look at Oregon. They've been more tested. They're more battle-tested than Florida State. And I think if you flip-flop schedules on Oregon and Florida State, I think Oregon wins easy. They run the table. And I think Florida State would have some issues playing Stanford on the road, UCLA, and, and teams like that in the Pac-12. So I think the Pac-12 being better than the, the ACC, in my opinion, is what's going to make Oregon get in that game if they run the table. Florida State will be left out where it yeah, and you got to look at it too. After Florida, after Miami this week, um, you know, who's really, from a national standpoint, rank wise, who does Florida State play? I mean, yes, they play Florida at the end, but I don't even think Florida's ranked anymore. I mean, they've lost, what, two out of the past three games now, and I don't, I don't even think they're nationally ranked anymore, so you can't even count the Florida Gators anymore as a as a viable opponent, that's going to help Florida State out. So after this week for Florida State, I mean, if they want to have a shot, Tarvin, they're going to have to go out there and really impress against against the Canes. And they will. I mean, what really hurt Florida State, nobody's talking about it, is Virginia Tech losing um, to Duke. I mean, Virginia Tech, they were holding their hat on that one loss against the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide. And now Cuervo, they lost. It's just kind of like, you know, Miami's not good. They've won by three points at home to some terrible teams so far. And I just don't think I'm convinced that they'd be, even if they blow Miami out, I'm not convinced that they deserve a shot in that game. And and talking about deserving shots, do you see a possible one-loss team out there? And if so, who that's sitting out there that could possibly make a championship? Uh probably have to say if any one-loss team does have a shot, hmm, I would have to go with um, – well, I know Stan- Stanford only has one loss, right? And Clemson only has one loss. So between those yeah, – Clemson's two, out. Those are- Clemson's out. Clemson's out. I mean, they lost by 50 at home. They're done. But, I mean, they still have viable – they still have – you know, some, some worthy opponents in their schedule still, don't they? Or are they, are they pretty much no. done playing done. all the games? Yeah, they're done. What do you think about what if what if this happens, and it's not going to, but what if Auburn, a one-loss team, ran the table, beat Alabama, which was undefeated, won the SEC? Do you think they would have a shot? If they beat Alabama, I, I, would, I would hope they would have some sort of shot because even after the Alabama game, Okay, they would still have to face. It's probably looking like South Carolina, maybe either South Carolina or if Missouri runs the table and South Carolina loses another game, then you're looking at Missouri. You know, who could climb back? Got a Missouri's only lost one so far. Missouri's lost one, and South Carolina has lost two. So they need Missouri to lose the game. That's what South Carolina needs. Actually, they need them to lose two because Georgia's in there as well with only two losses. So if they all, I guess they'd go with the highest BCS team. But just just say this: say South Carolina is a, say Missouri's a one-loss team. Cuervo, they win the East. They won all their games. They're a top five team. Austin's a one-loss team. Beats an undefeated Alabama team. They're both the top five teams playing in the SEC championship. Does this winner of this game jump an undefeated Ohio State team? That's a question Without that you have doubt. to think about. Without a doubt. See, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't think they would. Not, not Missouri or Auburn. I think Alabama could, but 
the name Auburn and Missouri right now, they don't have that respect like Alabama would. I think people are looking to get the SEC out of there. It won't matter, though, Brian. It doesn't matter what people think about the name. It's all about them stupid computers and what and what number spits out at the end. So people can disagree all they want, but if the computer says that Auburn is the number two team or if the computer says Missouri winds up becoming the number two team, then that's what it's going to be, and they're going to be playing for a national championship. Yeah, I mean, the likelihood of them running that schedule is going to be slim to none. But in the case they did, you would, I would I would think – Well, especially team. for Missouri. Especially for Missouri because, I mean, they, they, they're going to be uh, playing a pretty tough team coming this, this Saturday and just saying, you know, it's going to be, oh, yeah. uh, it's going to be an interesting matchup. Well, speaking of that matchup, let's don't, let's don't hold back on it. Tennessee licking their chops after a, a disappointing performance against Alabama. I still think they're mentally and physically exhausted after the schedule they played. But how do they rebound and go on the road at night to Missouri? What state of mind is Missouri going to be in after that fourth quarter collapse? And what's the mindset of Tennessee? I think Tennessee's going to be give them all they want, even though that game's in Missouri. Well, I think they have to jump on the opportunity, start off fast um, and not get conservative because that's what Tennessee football has been the past, you know, six to eight years is extremely conservative. And they have to get out of that. They have to open it up and, and, you know, lay off the read option for a little while because it gets on my nerves. Every time I see Worley hand the ball off on on the the read option to – to Neil or or Marlon Lane, I'm just like, wow, this play again. So, I, I want to see them. I want to see them throw the ball down the field. Throw it to Marquez North. Throw it to Big Howard. Throw it to, um, you know, these other guys that they have. And and you know, that's the Tennessee football I like to see is moving that ball down the field and putting it in the end zone for six. And this read option crap is just not going to cut it. Well, the read option is good if you have a quarterback that can do it. See, Worley's not a, a dual-threat quarterback, and that's just like a worthless play to me. And I, I'm with you. I don't understand why they run a play. Now, when you have Nick Marshall at Auburn doing it, that he can run with his feet, you know, he can make yards. It, it's effective that way. But you're right. Worley's not the guy. But they did Dobbs is in. They jerked the red shirt off him. He's able to run the zone read and able to move that offense. Give us your thoughts on, on – uh, Jones jerking the red shirt from him. Was it was it worth to do that this late in the season, or or do you think they should have went with another guy? Well, I mean, they really didn't have much of a choice, Brian. I mean, um, and I'm trying to think of the other guys, the other quarterback. He's like a junior, so, uh, Pet Peterman or something like that. I forgot his name now, but yeah, his arm hurt. I think his cast, yeah, his cast is just coming off. I think. Yeah, so I mean, he's not ready to go yet. So. Tennessee didn't have they didn't have a choice. Coach Jones didn't have a choice. He had to take the red shirt off of uh out of off of Dobbs and what I saw from him, I mean again, this is a guy that can that can is a dual threat just like Nick Marshall at Auburn. Uh he's a dual threat, so I I, you know, I like what I saw the little bit that I saw and um we'll see. But I mean again, they just they have to Use him to his strengths, and that is, you know, don't don't be afraid to throw the football. Anybody there, Brian? 
I'm sorry. I was on mute. Uh, hey, I want to look ahead two weeks from now. Uh, Auburn comes into Tennessee. It's a 12 o'clock noon game. It's on ESPN. What are the Vols' chances in that game, do you think? Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to say the chances are good. I'm not going to say they're bad either. I mean, Tennessee's going to have to – they're going to have to be – they have to be ready to go. I mean, Auburn is – they're not ranked 11th just because, you know, of the name. I mean, there's a reason for it. Um, the Auburn's playing well. They only have one loss right now, don't they, Auburn? Yeah, one loss on the road at LSU. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they've they've gone out there and they've impressed. I mean, especially against wins like Ole Miss and, and, and uh, Texas A&M, it's – been a good year for to be an Auburn Tiger fan. I, I I will give you that, Brian. But for Tennessee to have a chance, they're going to have to disrupt Marshall and they're going to have to get him out of his comfort zone. And defensively, they're going to have to slow them down. And you know that that's the way I can I can see it happening. If they don't do that, they let they allow Marshall to step on that field and let him do what he wants. Then you know it's not going to end well for the Vols. What do you think about Brett Bielema's comments, Arkansas's coach? I don't know if you heard this, but he's been starting trouble ever since he's come into the SEC talking trash. But this week, no different, he's on a bye week. He accuses Gus Malzahn of submitting incorrect game film. You know how coaches trade film week in and week out just to kind of look and prepare to be able to prepare. Well, Auburn goes for two every time to start the game. They line up at us kind of like a swing gate formation to where they, they have the option to go for two or kick the extra point. Well, Gus left that off the film, and, and Bielema was already talking trash about it, like, uh, you know, it's a big deal or something. Do you think Gus Malzahn would intentionally leave off something to cheat against Arkansas, Cuervo? Well, I mean, knowing whether you're going to go for an extra point or not, that's kind of a big deal. We're talking a lot of points here, Brian, so, you know, <laughs> Pretty pretty important to know that, you know. Um, well, no, I mean, I go for two every time now, just to piss him off. Every time I go for two, every time I score a point. Yeah, why not? You know, there's no rule saying you can't do it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that's. I think it's. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, it's just. It's trash talking, Brian. It's disguised as trash talking. That's all that is. Yeah, but if you're going to trash talk, at least have a record to back it up. But the one thing surprises me, Auburn's only a nine-point favorite in this game. It's a night game in Arkansas. What do you think about the point spread? Is that about right or too low, too high? What? It's too low right now. It'll go up. It, it, they'll be favored by be favored by 13 by the time the game comes. Yeah, I think so, too. But it's dangerous. Arkansas plays Auburn well in the past. But if you think in the past where I'm thinking uh, – Wilson is the quarterback for Arkansas. Wasn't that his name? Tyler Wilson. Or And then you had Ryan Mallett and quarterbacks like that. Well, this is a totally different talent team now. They don't have the talent as those teams had in the kind of offense. I think it's a bad matchup for Auburn. Well, and that was, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you know, it's not like Arkansas has McFadden and Felix Jones anymore. So I, I don't think – Auburn really has much to worry about. Hey, Cuervo, Cuervo, a... Cuervo, Cuervo, will you take over the show real quick, buddy? I'll be right back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now we're talking about Auburn versus Arkansas. And, you know, I was just going to make the comment that, you know, Brian, 
uh, Tarvin feels like, you know, it might be a little too much. But, again, this is an Arkansas team that doesn't have guys like Darren McFadden and Felix Jones anymore. So I think by the time by the time this game kicks off, you're going to see Auburn favored by, I would say, probably 13 points. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't see Arkansas. They're not the same team that they used to be. So, um I don't, I don't, I don't think Auburn will have much of a problem. And Brian is not back yet, so I'm not sure what he wanted to talk about next. But I'm sure it's something college football related. Um, you know, again, I mean, the, the BCS polls coming out. Now we're in BCS season, and uh, right now Alabama is still the consensus number one. I don't think anybody's disagreeing with that. You've got. Auburn or Oregon back at number two, Florida State number three. So, um, you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, whether Oregon or Florida State is the better matchup for, you know, Alabama if they were to play in the national championship. I like Oregon. Brian likes Florida State. So we'll see what happens with that. But it's been a great college football season so far. Um, We've still got a lot of good games uh, coming up in the next few weeks, you still got you know uh, teams like Auburn against Alabama. You still got the Georgia Florida game to look forward to. Tennessee plays Missouri this week. You still got Stanford versus Oregon, which is next Thursday night. Um, I wish it was this Thursday because that's a game that I just can't wait to see. Uh, really interesting to see how that that game's going to play out. But um, I mean, Oregon is just rolling right now. I mean, everybody thought that UCLA might have a chance against the Ducks and, you know, sadly mistaken once again. So, but, I mean, Oregon, Oregon's looking strong. Uh, Florida State looks good. You know, another impressive win last week. Uh, you know, they, they took care of business. Uh, they played, I'm trying to remember who they played. I know they played Maryland the week before, and this week they just finished off I want to say it was was ah well I can't remember the point is that Florida State looks strong so um, it's been it's been a good year for the Seminoles um, you know they're definitely back to what they used to be and um, you know it's a surprise team I mean you can't say enough about Auburn you can't say enough about the Baylor Bears as well Baylor you know they're the next you know offense that points a game they're like they're like the they're like Oregon in the south that's the big 12 version of the Oregon Ducks and uh, a lot of people are impressed with the way Baylor the Baylor Bears look so um, Tarvin are you back yet no I guess he's not back yet so we'll continue I'm just going to continue to ramble on Uh, on campus with Cuervo we're going to do a show Friday night so look for that on um, Sonny's channel the Castletato Sports Show Make sure you check us out um, on campus with Cuervo. I'm going to do it Friday night. We're going to talk about all the big games coming up this Saturday. Um, you know, Tennessee, Missouri, and we're going to talk about all the other big games as well. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, Saturday morning, you got Sports Talk with the guys, uh, with the scorekeeper, the big dog. We All of us normally, uh, we all join together, and, uh, you know, we all have a good time. And uh, Sonny Clark... Everybody, um, you know, please wish Sonny get better soon. He's not feeling well right now. 
he did do he did have the courage to do a show last night with me. Uh, we previewed Monday Night Football, and uh, you know he's still under the weather though. You could definitely hear it in his voice. So let's let's all hope that he gets better soon. That way he could be the uh, tater that we all know that he is. So um, Sunday mornings. That being said, we break down the NFL like nobody's business, and uh, you know we missed last week again. You know Sunday was not feeling well, but. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna make sure next week that we that we bring it back to what it used to be. So um, we're gonna be back better than ever. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff going on tomorrow. We you know, game six of the World Series. It's been a very interesting World Series, but it's been a good one. Um, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna see Camp Boston close it out. In six, or will we go to a game seven? Tarvin, I hear you. I'm back. I apologize. That was about a job I was looking at. I just got a call about it. Sorry, it took me a minute. No, uh, no worry. Uh, interviewed did it go interviewed well? several months. Yeah. I mean, it's just negotiation time now. That's the hard part. No, that's the easy part. The hard part is actually getting to the stage to get a job offer. So I guess I'll take that back. But what were you talking about? I'm just going over some, uh, you know, some things, uh, just talking about uh, upcoming games and things like that, uh, upcoming programs uh, on campus Friday night, uh, sports talk with the guys on Saturday morning, that being said, Sunday morning. So just kind of going over all the programs that we do, uh, just talking about different teams, going over the BCS, just talking about the World Series, just, just doing some recapping. Yeah, I'm going to tell you this, though, about the shows you're mentioning. I mean, that being said, Sunday morning is is one of the best shows out there, guys. If you want NFL information and you, and you want it, fantasy lineups, whatever, these guys, Cuervo and Sonny, break down these games and, and where we talk about a game for five minutes, they talk about a game for 20 minutes. And they analyze every detail about the game. So kudos to y'all for that. And, and the Sports Talk with the Guys is a very good show on Saturday mornings. That's a way to kick off your weekend uh, with Sports Talk with the Guys. And also y'all follow that one up, right, uh, with a show, a two-hour block from 11 to 1 Eastern, I believe. Yeah, uh, and that's more of just kind of – like a round table we just kind of just talk about whatever we, we just kind of go with the flow there's really nothing scheduled on that day brian we just kind of whatever comes off the top of our of our head we just we talk about it i mean it doesn't it doesn't matter the sport it doesn't matter matter the topic we just uh we just talk okay well that's good stuff but anything you want to hit before we head out of here cuervo i know there's some there's some big games this weekend and a lot more analysis to do, and you're joining me tomorrow night uh, on Way in Sports Talk where we preview the top ten games in college and the top five in the NFL. So anything you want to talk about before we go? Oh, uh, well, nothing specific. I mean, you know, the last thing I was mentioning was uh, about the World Series. It's been an interesting, uh, you know, a little bizarre. I mean, just the way those two games ended back-to-back with the with – the, uh, with the uh, interference call or what, obstruction, and then you had the pickoff to end a World Series game. I mean, that's that's pretty bizarre. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, how fitting would it be with with it being such a weird World Series that it ends 
on a on a third on a Halloween night in Game Seven. Wow, that would that would be weird. I don't know who I would pick in that game if it goes seven. I'm picking Boston to win this game in six or this series in six. But if it goes more than that, you know as well as I do, Game Seven you can throw every record stat out the window. It's a it's a war. So I wouldn't want it. If I'm Boston, I want to finish it out in Game Six, the first game I get a chance to. Oh, well, for sure. I mean, because um, now these last two games, are they both in Boston or is it going to be one and one? No, they're both in Boston now. They had three in St. Louis and Boston won two of them. So that's just a dagger to the hearts of St. Louis, man. You lose two out of three in your backyard. They had a chance to close a series out in St. Louis, still in that game in Boston, game two. But Cuervo, game six and seven, if St. Louis pulls that out, I mean, they deserve it. So you can win two games on the road in Fenway Park, and they've already said this is a record sales in Boston right now. These ticket prices are, are through the roof, and you know only the diehardest fans are going to be in attendance for this game. So it's going to be rowdy. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, not just that, but, I mean, you're talking about the Boston Red Sox, one of the, you know, one of the biggest, most, you know, the one of the, some of the some of the strongest fans that you have out there as far as you know passion and love for their team. I mean, it's not like the Kansas City Royals where it's like, hey, when we're good, okay, I'm going to come out and watch. I mean, even even a couple of years ago, Brian, when they were at the bottom of the barrel in the AL East, I mean, people were still coming out to watch the Red Sox play. So um, this is one of the one of the strongest fan bases you're going to find in sports in the Boston Red Sox. So you're right. I mean, it don't it don't matter the uh it don't matter the 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 circumstances. People are gonna come out and don't matter the prices, they're gonna come out and watch. Well I think Roger, I just got back to the studio and Roger is back with us. Roger, anything you want to talk about? Uh, gentlemen, it's going to be good. You want Boston to take it in six, but remember, guys, game seven, there's no tomorrow. Everyone is up for that game. It doesn't matter if you pitched the game before. You be ready to play. Usually, you know, game seven is, is one of the best games, and they're rarely ever played in baseball, actually. You don't have that many game sevens. And, uh, I'm going with St. Louis to win this one, guys. Roger, I if it gets to game seven, seven yes. Yeah. I think St. Louis, my initial prediction was Boston in six, but I think St. Louis with the amount of veterans on that team, I think they're going to win game six. And game seven's up for grabs, guys. It's just whoever wants it the most. Um, I'm not going to go that far. I will go and say I favor Boston for game six. But if it does get to game seven, I would favor St. Louis at that point. Yeah, because uh, I just would. I would favor them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, it's been fun. Uh, I appreciate y'all joining us for a show here. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to peel out and go uh, take care of some business. But guys, are y'all doing a show tonight, Roger? Are you having one? Uh, as what what say Tuesday? Uh, well, thank you. Fandom Access will be on air, but as far as sports, nothing scheduled at this point. And uh, sports will be on tomorrow. Tri State Sports guys and a few others. So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, guys, Cuervo, we'll see you tomorrow night. Roger, join us tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, and y'all have a great week. All right. Thanks, guys. See y'all.